I'd like to talk to you about Apple Podcasts, ratings, and reviews. It's something all our listeners should do. Fantasyballer9000 wrote, I stumbled across it randomly through Reddit and am hooked. I can't wait for more episodes. Absolutely recommend checking it out. Thank you, Fantasyballer9000. You should all go out there and rate and review the podcast of thousands like Fantasyballer9000. You can find the easy steps on how to do so in our show notes. Hey, yo, you are listening to the podcast of thousands. Late night talk, showcasing performers in less time with zero the budget. Here's your host, Mikey P. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Michael Panessa, and this is the podcast of thousands, where we showcase performers from actors to YouTubers and everything in between. Just a reminder, we're podcast of thousands on... Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google Plus, and Tumblr. If there's a there there, Podcast of Thousands is there. On tonight's show, we'll have guest, entertainer, and host, Jeff Svilico. All right, this one here is for the drinker. Wow, a lot of you guys tonight. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you sir, yeah, you're... You're digging this one. How about a little yo-yo? Can you handle that? Can you handle that? Ah! Get serious. No more fooling around. And music by reggae artist Presto Magic. But first... Pitches. Get... Riches. On tonight's show, we have a Kickstarter pitch from Mickey Arnie about his fantasy TV series, Recycle Soul. We're going to try and help Mickey reach the goal of $10,000. How you doing, Mickey? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Excellent, excellent. How much have you raised so far? 6667 which is 56%. Okay, okay. You got past that halfway uh, hump there. Very good, very good. Yep. Remember, you're going to have uh, 60 seconds to pitch, right? Every good, uh, every good business pitch, you should be able to, you should be able to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. If you do reach the limit, you're going to hear this. All right. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's okay. So you ready? Yes. Ready, set, pitch. Hey, my name is Mickey Ani. I'm from Thailand, and I'm here to pitch you for my. Little project called Recycle Soul Web Series. Story starts when Kevin and a guardian angel wakes up in the middle of Los Angeles with no, memo- with no memory of his past. Is there a female detective, Phoebe, when she was attacked by a demon? As the story goes on, Kevin and Phoebe start to develop their love with each other. It wasn't until Kevin started to have a flashback about his past like lover that still await for him. Also, at the same time, Frank's Phoebe teenage brother starts trying trying to come out from his closet and dealing with his sexuality that he has a feeling to work to Kevin. Would Kevin stay or leave those two to find, in order to find his true love? We will see at this series. Nice. Nice. Just in time. Two seconds. Two seconds to spare. 
Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, I got a few questions for you. So, so when this this isn't your first uh, film, right? You've worked on other you've worked on other stuff before, right? Yes, I was a film student, and then we we just like doing some random stuff that we had to do for the school project. And this is the first time that I have my own independent project after I finished the school year. Okay, so how old were you? How old were you when you got into when you when you wanted to start making videos? Well, um, I would say it was like when I was like twenty three, when I was around um, junior or senior in the college. Okay. That I went, and um, at the time I was like, I was like, oh my god, um, my life is so random. It's a, it's a, I learn about physics, and physics is about trying to find something to 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 be precise. But in the end, like we we don't know the precise thing, and we just get an estimate everything around, and, and so I was like. Yeah, maybe like I just should change my career from doing science to doing some storyteller, and then I just start to note down my my story, my life experience that I I have been doing since I came I came from Thailand and came to this country when I was like teenage and up until like I, I was like twenty four twenty five and I feel like a lot of thing in my life it just little story that adding up and more and more. Okay, and this is a this is a fantasy, right? The 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 series that you're working on. Yes, each character I was kind of like basing on each situation that happened to me in my life up, up until now. For example, like um, I was when I was younger, I I was I was in my family, and my family is Chinese, my from my mother's side, and my dad is Thai, and I learned that like even though they are they're Asian, they are not getting along together and I was I feel like I was an outsider from from everything so like it, for this project like I, I just see myself to the different style of perspective and and put it them put them together to become the story okay what's another what's another 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 element of the film that's related to your life in this project I always use like different kind different types type of character and different kind of, of skin color because like nowadays like people in Hollywood they just talk about like yeah we need to get the Latino we need to get black guy we we ha- already have a, a lot of white guy but for me like I don't see my I don't see my myself my Asian skin color on the television that much so um, when I was doing the research for my master degree for the film I, I always see like they just talk about like where is my identity but in the end like I'm just asking myself where is my identity to to the current television or the film that is going on nowadays? I grew up with um the single mother. Well, I mean, the, the, like I grew up with the mother only. My dad is kind of out of the picture, so like I just, I just want the main story become like the woman leading the project, and the woman's choice to either like doing the thing that they always do as the the culture norm. Nowadays, like we see Wonder Woman. We did the some asset. We see like the lady right. wearing pants and go, and going out to their work. And even though my, my friends that grew up with me, like he is a stay at home dad, and his wife, which is also my friend, she is like going out and work for the family. So the role gender is changing, and I, I like to do it. I like to show also that like the world is changing, and we should promote this kind of thing. Very cool. Very cool, Mickey. Uh, so you're in you're in Los Angeles, right? That is correct. So I'm in I'm in Orange County. How do how do I become a background actor in your series? Get me on no. there. Get get me on there. Keep keep in touch and get well, me on there. Right, right. Yes. Uh, first of all, like I need I need to get like the forty percent of my project 
first, so we have to help each other by promoting my project first. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, thank you, Mickey, and good luck. Thank you so much. Have a good day, sir. Bye-bye. You can get all the details and links about the fantasy series Recycle Soul in our show notes. And that was... Pitches Get Riches And now I'd like to welcome our guest, entertainer and host, Jeff Savillico. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, good, Michael. Thanks for having me. All right, I need to get some uh, important stuff out of the way first. Savillico, right? Yeah. Italian? Italiano. Yeah, I'm uh, 50-50. Italian-Irish. My dad's 100% Italian. So Italian-Irish. Okay. Civilico, technically. Civilico. Yeah, I'm Panessa. I'm 100% Italian. Yep. So I like to get that stuff out of the way. That's awesome. I'm glad to have another Paisan on the air. So what, what came first? The uh, part, Most of your act is, uh, or a lot of your act is the juggling and performing, and but you also do comedy. What, what, what came first? Were you... Uh, performing like the juggling or was it the funny the funny side you know it's it's funny i it's funny the funny stuff didn't come first uh i started off as a juggler just a straight up technical juggler uh just a pure skill you know coordination kind of a thing i played sports growing up and juggling was interesting to me because obviously you had to have a lot of hand-eye coordination but it allowed more creativity I was always a creative guy as well, and uh, I, I was always very, very ambitious. And and juggling was very easy to sense, you know, and, and to learn when you were improving. You know, obviously, you drop a ball, you're, you're messing up. You know, you you learn why did you drop, why did you drop the ball? You correct, you try it again, you drop it again. You know, you you pick up, you try again. And I really liked that aspect of it as as a kid. Now looking back, it fits my my personality. I'm a very very driven guy and i and i like that i like that i could immediately measure my results i think even as a kid so so how did you get started when you were a kid and how, how old were you so i was about 10 11 years old and i accompanied my family along with the family they a trip to visit my oldest brother who was attending harvard he was a freshman and we were there uh, for a parents weekend family weekend and we saw a street performer. We were walking to Harold's Ice Cream to get ice cream as a family. And there was a street show taking place with a huge crowd. And a guy was juggling. And he was juggling wine bottles. I still remember his name was Peter Panic. He, that's what he called himself. He dressed in all green. He, and his big finale, I remember this, he, he balanced a shopping cart on his chin. You know, and I thought that was uh, just the coolest thing. And uh, at one point during the show, he picked me to be a volunteer. And this was my, my big moment, my big moment to shine. I, I did a little something with spinning plates, and uh, I was hooked. I was hooked, I think, not just with the, the juggling, but the, the bigger picture of the rush of having a spotlight on you and, and the, the thrill of being in front of that many people and hearing the applause. And my parents bought me a book on juggling for the long car ride home back to Philadelphia. We, you know, we had driven the six hours or so to, to Boston, and uh, there was a store there called Learning Smith. And, and, you know, they had all these uh, puzzles and, and learning games. And, and one of the uh, areas they had was the Klutz series. And, you know, there was the Klutz book of, you know, Rubik's Cube, the Klutz book of magic and all these things. And, and one was the Klutz book of juggling. And it came with three little square bean bags and uh, the whole car ride home. I was teaching myself how to juggle and I just got completely obsessed and fascinated with, with juggling as, as a little kid. That was really the start of it. 
Awesome. Now fast fast forward and you've got uh you got your own Vegas show, Comedy in Action, right? Yes. Uh yeah, I've been a headliner now, fortunately, um with Caesars Entertainment for 5 years. Logged a thousand shows at uh, the Imperial Palace, uh, which Vegas connoisseurs will will re- remember and will know. Uh, it is now known as the Link Hotel and Casino, but uh, I started uh, and it was called the Imperial Palace uh, there for a couple of years. And then I moved to Flamingo for the last year and a half or so. And uh, I will be reopening um, after injury, after recovery, uh, hopefully in the next couple months uh, with Caesars Entertainment um, at another property. So it's exciting. Exciting for sure. Yeah. So we got We got to tell the audience uh, where you are today. Where, where are you calling from? Yeah, I'm calling from Costa Rica. Yeah, it's, it's the only time in my life uh, this situation came up, and I and I kind of I was able to to see that and that and how unique and rare this is. And I said I got to just jump on this and and get away. Um, I'm injured. Uh, nothing, nothing bad. It's a uh, shoulder. I, I tore my labrum, and so I can't really even do physical therapy for another month or so until it heals. And so I spent a couple weeks in Vegas, uh, you know, just really tending to it, it, arm in the sling and all that. But now I'm kind of in this middle. This middle phase where I can't really use physical therapy yet, uh, but my arm needs and shoulder needs to heal more so I can take the sling off and, and read and write. But when I go out, I really should have it more as a warning sign to, to people that, you know, hey, don't, uh, don't, don't punch me in the arm um, as, as a joke because uh, it might add a couple more weeks to rehab. <laughs> yeah, so I thought, what the heck, man, I've got uh, some time and, and I can get away for um, a few weeks or even a, a month or so. And so I got a condo on the beach here in in Costa Rica, and um, I'm just enjoying it. I'm I'm relaxing for sure, but I'm also I'm also doing a lot of those things that come across your plate where you think, ah, oh, when am I ever going to have time to do this? You know, read everything from reading a couple books, uh, taking a marketing seminar with Seth Godin, who I, who I really admire, and I've always loved his work. Uh, working on some bigger picture things with my nonprofit, you know, a new fundraising plan for for next year, and I'm writing a keynote. I uh, started doing more corporate speaking, and so I wanted to just kind of uh, really incorporate more of my story and messaging in, into my show for uh, companies and associations. So it's been a very productive uh, – I've only been here five days, but it's been a very productive and also extremely relaxing five days. Man, if I would have known, I would have asked to come on location, but uh, it's kind of too late. <laughs> it's kind of too late for that. Too late for that. Yeah, right. I know. Well, especially, I'll be here for a month, so come on down, man. It's cast party giveaway keyword time. You can win four free tickets to any future show at Best of San Francisco Stand Up Comedy in San Francisco, California. Your keyword is fresh. F R E S H. Just go to the podcast of thousands.com website and click on Cast Party. Enter your email address, first and last name, and the giveaway keyword fresh. F R E S H. And click submit. And you're entered for a chance to win four free tickets to any future show at Best of San Francisco Stand Up Comedy in San Francisco, California. Good luck! <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about uh, your philanthropy coming up and uh, hosting, uh, but let's 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 focus on the show. So you, it's it's deemed a, a one man clean comedy show. Yeah. What's the line you approach before getting not clean or dirty? How do how do you determine that? How do you determine that line? 
yeah, for me, I I grew up doing Disney um, and works at, working at theme parks. Uh, that that's really where I kind of got my chops um, was with Disney. Um, not I never was a cast member at, at Disney World or Disneyland, but I based myself in Orlando and I did a lot of subcontracting for Disney. I did a lot of their corporate events. I hosted a lot of their events, like the Food and Wine Festival at Epcot. I was in, you know, a million parades and <laughs> I, I, I kind of um, sucked up the, the culture there. You know, I joke that I still pick up trash, you know, when I'm walking by somewhere, I still pick up trash on Vegas Street and put it uh, put it in a trash bin. So um, they're a great, great company. And, and I learned a lot about how to connect with an audience about how the uh, the visual was for the kids and the verbal oftentimes was for the parents. So. I do often say that my show uh, or I try to make my show like a great Disney Pixar movie where, you know, the, the it's big and visual and colorful and fun and high energy and engaging for uh, the kids or the kids at heart with those shorter attention spans. But there's jokes that are flying over the kids heads that are connecting and keeping the adults engaged as well. So there's going to be some double entendres, some innuendos, some pun, you know, puns, plays on words, all that. I can really trace that back to my, my Disney days. I did a lot of work with Disney Cruise Line, which I just loved. I had so much fun on those ships, and I learned so much about performing, about polish. You know, Disney taught me about polish. You, know, you could just kind of watch a performer and say, man, that guy's that guy good. That guy's seasoned. You know, he's got that kind of very uh, uniquely Disney polish and crispness and professionalism to him and that and that vast appeal to all ages and that was something i i always emulated i always wanted to do okay so i watched uh watched some of your videos of your performances i have not uh, had the privilege to come out and and see your show live but did i uh i, I think i noticed a shake weight being used in one of your bits <laughs> in your in your act is that is that correct because I, I got some questions yeah you definitely poked around pretty deep there <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. So explain to our uh, explain to our listener one what a shake weight is and two why. Oh man, uh, I think everybody knows what a shake weight is, don't you? I don't know. Um, a shake shake weight was one of those super cheesy, um, you know, things you see on late night television, the infomercial fitness about uh, how it's it's a, you know you grab it with two hands and and you uh, shake it in an ex- extremely awkward uh, awkward position with your hands. And uh, supposedly it, it, you know, gives you a giant biceps and a six pack. That's funny, though, you mentioned that because I first I got that idea to juggle a shaky weight. Is it shake weight or shaky weight? Shake weight. It is shake. OK. I was calling it a shaky weight. I just learned something. Yeah. Good play there. Good. Good play there. Not knowing what it's called. Good play. No, I'm serious. <laughs> there's a there's a band called the Spasmatics. I don't know. Have you ever heard of the Spasmatics? I have not. Look them up. They're like an 80s spoof kind of cover band, right? Where they all kind of look like Napoleon Dynamite. You know, they've all got the uh, hair bands and they're all rocking out. And uh, I believe they're based in Vegas. And uh, they kind of, there's a bunch of troops of them because they've gotten to be so popular. And so uh, they play all over. But anyway, I saw them perform and one of their signature, signature jokes and, and kind of routines is that a guy will jump in the audience um, in like a circle, like a dance circle, and he'll, he'll rock the shaky weight. I've seen where, you know, he'll he'll toss it to somebody else and that that person will jump in the middle and, and do the shaky weight. And it was just it's funny as hell. And uh, I remember watching there I was at the South Point Casino 
uh, watching the spasmatics with a shaky weight. And I thought, that'd be fun to juggle a shaky weight. I always think with juggling, it's funny because I, I know a lot of jugglers love juggling. I don't even call myself a juggler. I don't, I don't even really like juggling, I'll be honest. Like, it's just kind of something that uh, it's a way to connect with the audience. So um, most people, most people who don't know me think like, oh, when you wake up, are you juggling your eggs and then like juggling your toothbrush and then juggling the bar of soap? And I'm like, no, that's no, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, people think like if I see three objects in like a, a doctor's office, like I have this intense desire to like pick them up and start juggling, which could not be further from the truth. Instead, you know, I focus on the routines and I focus on the entertainment, the stage presence, the connection with the audience, the improv, bringing people up, engaging them. And so what I, what I do think about a lot is how to make juggling fun. One of my best friends in the business is a guy named Ivan Purcell. You should have on this podcast too at some point. His, he's very successful and he's a f- funny, funny guy. And his slogan is making juggling tolerable. <laughs> it's a brilliant slogan because it's true. Like nobody, nobody wakes up and says, I want to go see a juggling show, you know, including us, including most of the guys who actually do the juggling shows. So this is all to say that I like to juggle fun things and things from everyday life and things that you see to make it more fun. So whether it's cell phones or uh, shake weights or, uh, you know, Fergie's or, you know, um, not just the traditional pins, rings, balls that uh, you would see, you know, in, in like a circus act. Very cool. Very cool. So what's, what's joggling? Ah, joggling. Joggling is juggling while jogging. And it is a thing, believe it or not. Okay. Did you make this up? Oh, no, I did not. Um, I did not uh, make this up. One thing I will say, this might seem like kind of a tangent, but it's it's actually very related to what you just asked me. One thing that my love for juggling as a kid taught me was no matter what people are into, to respect that, that, that craft, you know, uh, that no matter what you're into, there is a, a jargon for that. There is uh, there there are best practices. There are conferences. There are people who are leaders in that field. There are people who have studied it, who have trained and who take it very seriously, right? So it's given me kind of a respect for, for others. And I think, and a, and a love for diversity because I'll meet someone and, uh, you know, let's say they're into like CrossFit or, or whatever. And you know, instead of kind of just saying like, ah, whatever, like I could probably just jump in and be great at CrossFit. I understand that, you know, someone who, who competes in the CrossFit games, eats, sleeps, breathes CrossFit, you know, and and more than just goes to the gym, right? It's it's a mindset. It's a, it's a part of their life. It's the same thing with juggling, right? There are conferences and conventions and there are membership associations. There's juggle magazine. There's, there's site swap notation, which is the mathematical theory behind building patterns. And someone who doesn't know anything about juggling will say like, what? That's crazy. Like, you know, but it's, it's not really when you look at anything, right? You look at chess or you know, flying a kite or podcasting. Yeah, exactly. I, I know that you know a million times more about podcasting than I do because I've never tried to have a podcast. So you know the best audio equipment. You know the best podcasters out there. You know what they're doing. You know how to gain traction. You know, you know about connection speeds and how that's going to impact. And um, everything is, is you know, high, high context and, and highly nuanced, you know. So um, back to joggling. Uh, there are people who juggle, who run while juggling marathons and who are just insane. Yeah. They, they juggle 
five balls at, at, a, at a time and they they get times that you know could qualify them for the Boston Marathon. So this came about actually because I, I moved to Orlando and I was always a, a fit guy. I was always really into you know running, biking, working out. And I was at the gym in Orlando. I didn't know anyone. And I started talking to this guy who was the president of a, a group called the Tri-Junkies, which was a triathlete uh, triathlon club that met on um, Tuesday and Thursday mornings. Um, this was in the town of Celebration, Florida, where I, where I lived outside mm-hmm. Disney. And they met on Tuesday and Thursdays for workouts. And then Saturdays and Sundays, they did um, long you know, swims, you know, bike run combos. And they all trained for the Disney Half Ironman, which was in May, and the Florida Ironman, which was in November in Panama City. And so he said, hey, you know, have you ever done a triathlon? I said, no, but that, that sounds cool. He said, well, hey, meet me you know, tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. at the flagpole, and you'll meet like 50 people who will do our five-mile short run for that training piece, you know, that day. And I said, okay, this sounds fun. And so I got really into it and uh, got, a, got a nice set of friends in Orlando be, out of it, that I'm, uh, many of whom I'm still close with. There was a, a subset of that group called Athletes for Special Kids, and they would run these marathons for um, this group called Special Kids, um, which, uh, as you would suspect by the name, served um, special needs youth. And uh, so they would raise money and everything else. And I thought, well, hey, how cool would it be if I could run a marathon while juggling? I bet yeah. I could raise a heck of a lot of money, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I was always into kind of doing, uh, you know, stupid stuff, <laughs> <laughs> as evidenced by making a career out of uh, juggling professionally. Yeah, so I got really into it. And so I started poking around. I realized there was this whole world called joggling. Uh, and I started researching and training and I would go out, uh, I would go out joggling. So I, uh, I almost caused more than one accident on many occasions because I would go joggling around town and people just hadn't seen anything like this. And uh, man, I got more people honking, you know, being like, yeah, man, right on, you know, who just thought it was really cool. I can't even imagine running a marathon, let alone doing it while juggling <laughs> well you know what i ran I, I had the same thought honestly because i had never run a marathon at this point i should mention that so i i said why well, i should really run a marathon first and before i try to joggle on yeah so i did so i i ran i ran the disney marathon for the first year just uh for for you know for quote-unquote fun i was very undertrained. uh again i kind of had like an ignorance that I, that I, now I, I know much better that I just kind of thought like, well, I got to run. All I have to do is just run and like not stop for like about four or five hours. Like how hard could that be? <laughs> you know, all I have to do is just keep going. And so, you know, I did okay I, uh, for my marathon. I trained, I, I went out for a couple long runs and I was not very well prepared, but I, uh, I made the most of it. And then I, I got, uh, I got more into it, took it more seriously and, uh, ended up joggling the Disney marathon the next year. And yeah, it was a great experience, man. I, I, I wish I could say I, I've done, you know, 10 or 20 of them, but, uh, I've only done two marathons. I did one, uh, without joggling and one with joggling. Still amazing. Still amazing. So let's talk about, let's talk about some other amazing stuff that you're doing. Um, so something I've wanted to focus on, uh, for this podcast for a bit here, uh, while I talk to performers such as yourself is, finding out, you know, what you guys are, what you guys are doing to better the world. And you, you've got great examples of this. So let's talk about win-win entertainment. So what is this, what is this 
uh, nonprofit org that you founded do? Sure. So in a nutshell, Win Win Entertainment is a 501c3 nonprofit I officially founded in, in Las Vegas about five, six years ago. And our mission is to create opportunities for professional performers to give back. So it's a very simple concept. And I think there's been some power in its simplicity uh, because it's really resonated. It's really resonated with the people of Las Vegas, the performer community, and the community at large. And now, very exciting, we are replicating that model and expanding all over the country. So now uh, we just did an event in San Francisco through a partnership with Workday, uh, the, the company based there. And we did some performing at the Children's Hospital, uh, Lucille Packard there at Stanford and at uh, Ronald McDonald House uh, in Palo Alto, which is the largest Ronald McDonald House in the world. So we did a nice, nice activation there. But yeah, so I think it's interesting because oftentimes performers, entertainers, etc., they reach a certain level of success with their career and then they realize they have a platform to do good, some good work and then they kind of turn and they think about what's been important to them or what resonates with them and then they kind of go either create that or they, you know, they direct their energy towards something that already exists that's, that's uh, working to improve uh, the area that they, uh, they really care about. And, and that's wonderful. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong uh, with that at all, of course. Uh, my story is just a little different because I actually, I started with the philanthropy um, even before the performing. So it, you know, I kind of was backwards in, in how I did it. So what happened was I, I was uh, a kid doing magic and juggling shows in, in my kitchen after dinner for my parents and my, my grandma growing up. I'd had this experience with the performer in Harvard Square that kind of got me into juggling. I was reading some books on magic and juggling and, you know, just kind of experimenting. Yeah, I, I, I have this vision in my head of, you know, pulling out the card table and having, you know, the having the different magic tricks set up and the juggling bean bags. And it was, you know, showtime with with Jeff. That was, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12, uh, 13. When I was 14 years old, I, I attended St. Joe's Prep, a, uh, a Catholic high school in North Philadelphia, and uh, they were really big on service. The whole motto was creating men for others. And so you had a service project every every semester and you met with a counselor and, you know, you worked through what your service project was going to be. And I remember that my counselor in high school said, well, the main goal of the service project is to really take you out of your comfort zone. And so then you do a reflections on that and you, you talk about your experience. And so he said, you know, think about something that would take you out of your comfort zone. And so immediately I thought, well, I, I do these juggling shows, these magic shows in my kitchen but I've never performed for anyone. And I knew of a home for uh, developmentally disabled uh, men and, and boys uh, called the Don Guinella School in outside Philadelphia, where, where I grew up in the next town over in Springfield, Pennsylvania. And so I had this idea to do a show for them. So I thought that that would be cool. It'd definitely take me out of my comfort zone. I've never performed for anyone. And uh, it seems like a nice thing to do to bring some entertainment to uh, to this home. And so I did it and sounds cheesy, you know, sounds cliche, but that, that, that moment literally changed my life performing. If I, if I hadn't done that service project and, uh, and I hadn't continued along that path, I don't know if I ever would have started performing professionally because it was really the first, first gig I had. So I wasn't getting paid, <laughs> but it was a gig. It was outside of my kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a great experience, and I and I kept doing shows there, and I, that just one thing led to another, and I 
started a juggling club in high school uh, with with my friends at the time, and we started doing these little shows around at different nursing homes and special needs facilities and uh, some hospital shows. I remember we performed at the Cardinals Christmas party uh, where, where uh, the, the Cardinal, you know, hosts a, a, a big luncheon where all these uh, kids from inner city uh, title one schools come in and they all get a, a present and they had performances. You know, we were like the main, <laughs> we were the main act. Um, and we juggled fire, you know, which we thought we were super cool because we were, you know, like 14, 15 year old dudes juggling fire and we were, we were really into it. Yeah. That was kind of my first experience performing in that little troupe. Did ladies dig the juggling club? Oh, come on, Michael. <laughs> Stupid question. Yeah, dude, come on. Talk about a softball question, bro. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I will say we used to juggle at pep rallies, which was very cool. But I went to an all-boys high school, so there were no girls to experience the awesomeness of us juggling Ooh. fire and knives and escaping from straight jackets at these pep rallies. So that was more for the... Um, for the, the ego, the pride. There you go. Being being the guys who had performed at the pep rallies. Funny you mentioned girls. I I, uh, I did have one experience that just come that just popped into my head. I I did a trick in my show when I was starting to perform in, in high school at these smaller events, where uh, I end up having glue on my nose, rubber cement on my nose, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a I had like a date after like the movies or whatever. And uh, I had forgotten to take the glue off of my nose. And so it, it like hardened and started, you know, it, it, <laughs> so I had these like these glue and globs and, and uh, of rubber cement on, on my nose. And, uh, you know, I just remember this girl looking like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and it's like, you have something. And then I tried to explain it. And of course, I just sound, I sound like a lunatic, you know. Um, oh, yeah, it's for this bit I do where I put glue on my nose and, and you know, glue this thing to my face. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't the smoothest. <laughs> she wasn't buying it. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, so uh, I know you can uh, donate to Win Win Entertainment on your site, and we'll have the link to that uh, in our show notes. So where, do, where does that money go to? Where does the, where do those funds go to? Yeah, so the, the cool thing about Win Win is uh, it, it's a direct pass-through to, to the operation, uh, we, we do not have an executive director um, at this time. We uh, None of the performers get paid for the events. They, everyone donates their time and talent. Uh, so the money goes to really our infrastructure, to kind of expanding what we've done in Vegas to become a, a national platform. So we're, we're, what we're trying to do now is really digitize what we've done in Vegas because in Vegas, there's a huge performer community and um, through our contacts and our board, and our performers through social media, it's really spread. And we manually, you know, through calls and texts and emails and word of mouth and social media, we sign performers up and we plug them into these opportunities, these programs we've created at children's hospitals, um, foster homes, um, special needs uh, facilities, uh, et cetera. And so what we want to do now when we take it to Orlando and uh, to San Francisco and to Minneapolis and Salt Lake City and these other cities now we're, we're expanding, we want to digitize that. So we want to have a, a, a digital platform website with an app where performers can log in, they can register, and they can choose their opportunities. Um, and kind of like Netflix or uh, you know Spotify, uh, we can create a, a cycle, a loop, so that when a performer signs up, they can, you know, they do the event, they get all the info and then they get the feedback and then they can say, Hey, 
you may also be interested in this opportunity if you were interested in uh, this and you had a great experience. So our, our hope is that we can put the onus on the performers to sign up for these events all around the country and uh, create, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of matches um, and connections to performers who want to give back to programs that we've established at various organizations all over the country that are uh, looking for this type of uh, support. Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing how that works out. Thanks. Something I didn't mention in our pre-interview is uh, I quiz my guests. So I got a quiz for you. You ready? Uh-oh. Yes. Hit me. <laughs> Uh-oh. I like, the, I, I like the reaction. So I like to see how smart my guests are, right? Got to gotta see... Uh-oh. uh Got to see uh, how smart uh, performers are in Vegas. Actually, TV hosts. Uh, so you host a show called Weekend in Vegas, right? Uh, I did, actually. Yeah, between between then and now, I've actually moved on. Okay. But uh, I did. I had, an, I had a concept for a show a couple of years ago that was kind of an entertainment news show that was based in Las Vegas that would film in front of a live audience. That was kind of my hook. So I pulled it together with some great partners, Vegas.com. Caesars Entertainment, uh, KTNV, Channel 13, ABC affiliate out there in Las Vegas. And um, we, we did this show and, and uh, I, I enjoyed every every moment of it. I got a lot of opportunities and it got to interview Mike Tyson, Dennis Rodman, Eddie Griffin, Olivia Newton-John, uh, the guys from Blues Traveler. All right. All right. Hold up. Hold up. You're blowing the, You're blowing my quiz. You're blowing my quiz. Oh, uh, so my quiz is how well do TV hosts remember their past guests? Oh, uh, all right. So hold up, hold up there. Let's get started on. Let's get started on this quiz. So, I'll start. Sure. I'll start with a. Uh, this is uh, in the in the theme of uh, uh, softballs. I'll start with a, a real softball here. So the first question. There's just three. There's just three. Uh, okay. Your your clue is she may have asked you to get physical. Physical. Wow, really? <laughs> way softball. Way softball. Leave it in, John. Ah, ding, 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 ding. She still looks great. It's she knows she's sixty eight. Yeah, she was she was awesome. I mean, not everything about her was amazing. She was the she was the sweetest, most fun uh, interview. Man, I, I've become like friendly with her. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm friends, but I, I bumped into her at uh, physical therapy. We had the same physical therapist, and she remembered me, and we chatted, and. I've seen her show and I got to go backstage with her and, and, you know, hang out with her and take some pictures. And she, she watched the entire rest of our taping. So there was a whole bunch of things we did. And, you know, her interview was just one part of it. And she stayed for the rest of the taping. You know, most people would, would, you know, have their security there and, you know, be, be kind of just in and out. And she was just hanging out. She, she had fun. She was hanging out, uh, at the link promenade there, just, uh, just chilling. And we thought that was so cool. That's awesome. She does. She does sound like a sweet lady. Yeah. All right. Number two. This one might be a softball too. Your clue is Shamil Shamazel Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. We're gonna do it. I don't claim. To, I don't claim to be a good singer. So go for it. That was pretty good, man. I assume you were dancing. I couldn't see you, but uh, <laughs> I was grooving over here. I assume your dance moves were on point. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Cindy Williams. She was also lovely. She is guest starring in the show Menopause the Musical, which uh, is a hysterical title and equally hysterical show produced by uh, Alan and Kathy Glist, who are wonderful people and have become good friends of mine in Las Vegas. And uh, she was a joy. She was a joy, too. Yeah, she taught me how to dance on stage to Shlomiel Shlomazel. <laughs> All right. I, I hope this one's tough. I hope it is. But you sound like uh, you sound like you got it together here. This is number three. 
are th- your three past guests that have appeared on America's Got Talent? You say three or four of them? Oh, man. I just asked for three. You got four of them? Ha! Uh, so, yeah, well, four you- of them. Four of them. All right, all right. Um, so when you say appear, okay, I'll put it this way. Um, or not, not, not appear on America's Got Talent, rather, but uh, some of them we just catch up with on red carpets. Sure, sure. So, I mean, we've caught up with Matt Franco, with Paul Zerden, with Mary Sawchuk. Oh, there's three. Who else? Um, uh, I'm just scrolling through in my head here. Oh, I got you on this one. I got you. I'm not. I'm trying not to cheat and just uh, open up uh, Instagram. I got you. Who else? Uh, oh, Piff. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Um, All right. All yeah, right. Piff, and then uh, Tapeface actually. So there's five. So boom. What did you guys talk about? You and Tapeface. Uh, we had a great time, actually. We played beer pop. We didn't have to talk. We spoke the international language of beer pop. Nice. That's that's perfect. That's perfect. It was great. It was on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He, uh, I got to play beer pong with Tape Face, and uh, beer pong with Tape Face is dangerous because he can't drink the beers after he uh, after they they hit the cups. Oh, he's got an out. Yeah, you end up drinking double uh, when when you're playing beer pong with Tape Face, but uh, that was that was a blast. So how long have you lived in Vegas? Seven years. Seven years. So what does a what does a performer do for fun in Vegas? I know you're busy working a lot, but what do you what do you like to do for fun in Vegas? I mean, I love I love Las Vegas, and you know, obviously there's more to Las Vegas than the Strip, of course. I love having the access to you know some of the best performers, restaurants, nightclubs, lounges, experiences in the world, but uh, obviously not be consumed by by those for many years i lived right on the strip i lived at uh, city center the veer towers right there so i was really in the heart of it i mean you can feel the neon you can feel the energy i always was very kind of inspired by that mm-hmm. so you know i i did go out a fair amount on the strip and you know i did kind of uh base base my vegas experience on the strip which is you know rare um but i would say equally e- equally I, I love the outdoors, and I used to go to Zion National Park uh, all the time. I would go to Red Rock all the time. I would go to Lake Mead all the time. I would cycle, you know, at least once a week. I'm a big cycler. Uh, I used to go to Mount Charleston. You know, I, I, I loved getting off of the strip and leaving all that behind. Also, too, with just what I do, I mean, you travel so much that. There's Vegas, I think, or, you know, to like New York or any other major city, there's a certain, certain kind of uh, mindset, like, oh man, I got to get out. I got to get out of Vegas for a little bit. Like, I just got to get out. So like people who live in Manhattan are like, you know what? I, I just got to go to got to get out of the city because it's just can be too much, right? Too much congestion and traffic and, you know, the, the honking of the horns and the lights and the buzzers and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I definitely felt that as well, but I'm fortunate because I would have a gig in Scottsdale, you know, and, and, and I would drive because I wanted to listen to some podcasts. I wanted to put the top down and blare some music and just kind of enjoy the open space. I, I feel fortunate to, even though I live in the heart of it, I still get away enough that I, I always kind of love returning. And I, and I, I never got, I haven't yet gotten burned out on Vegas, I guess, because of that. And I know a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So what's next when you get back from your, uh, 
your hiatus in Costa Rica. What are you gonna? What are you working on? So I, I'm really working on Win Win, my nonprofit. Uh, we're at kind of a critical time right now where we we announced our national expansion at the beginning of this year, and so now we're six months into it, and it's been really interesting because some of the places that we we wanted to get traction with, we haven't really as much, but then new opportunities and new doors have opened. And so, you know, you really have to seize on those opportunities. So as we're planning now, you know, you always plan about a year ahead. So we're looking at what we want to do in 2018 from a corporate sponsorship point of view, from an expansion of our database point of view and, and our opportunities. And so, you know, now we're living kind of what the plan was last year to kind of get some traction and start to start to make some inroads in some of these cities and get to work with some of these people. And now we have. And so we're th- really thinking critically about how to expand in the right way. Um, so uh, that's kind of my focus right now while I'm while I'm down here. I'm excited to get the show back up and running. I've been injured now for, for a while. And uh, although I still have done the one night corporate shows and uh, theater shows. I, I love being based in Vegas. I love, I love the idea, the, the idea of trying something new and then saying, okay, like that went all right. And getting to try it like the next night again, you know, um, or the next week or, or whenever I feel comfortable. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that from a creative standpoint. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out and doing more speaking engagements. I've started doing more keynote speaking, just kind of talking a little bit more about my story and, uh, talking about win-win and, and talking about uh, marketing and branding and just kind of using what you have in one scenario to leverage that for the next kind of step or the next phase of what you want to do. Very cool. I look forward to, uh, we come out to Vegas three, four times a year. So I'm looking forward to seeing your show when you get it back up and going. Hit me up. I will. Thank you for your time, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Michael. You can get all the details and links about entertainer and host Jeff Savilico in our show notes. Music's always been important to me, whether I'm doing the cha-cha or merengue. I like listening to a lot of different music. I thought I'd let artists and bands submit their music to the podcast of thousands and we'd showcase it for them in each episode. Here's a song called About My Money by the reggae artist Presto Magic, who is from Las Vegas. I picked this song from Presto Magic because Presto Magic, like Jeff Savilico, is from Las Vegas. And every day he juggling, every day he hustling. If you like it, you can get all the information you need about Presto Magic in our show notes. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presto Magic. Watch out. Rubber dub, rubber dub style. Some of them rap and talk to someone singing while I'm about my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day me juggling, every day me hustling, put up on their mind so you know they track me bubbling. Every day me shuffling, every day me hustling, working overtime, got the money, I be doubling. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost some money. Show it up, drop the dog ties. Money, he make up a grand, even million. 
You've been listening to the podcast of thousands. If you're a performer and want to be on our show, check us out at www.podcastofthousands.com and click on Get On. Since you're already online, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate us, five stars or higher, and leave us your comments. You can find all the details in our show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and to all you performers out there, break a leg.